You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! Another edition of the High Hopes Podcast, Jack Fritz. I have two pieces of good news for you. One, Matt Klentak is still not the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Two, John Middleton has not spoken since the last time we did a podcast. So I think we're firing all cylinders right now. They've really done it, huh? <laughs> so what you're saying is is that everything's fine. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. Everything's great. We're just erasing... I mean, yeah, yeah, and and Matt Lenzak, to our knowledge, is not even allowed in the building. You know, his <laughs> well, key well, bag, right? His, his key card does not work. Um, so they said come back in 2021 with fans in the ballpark, and uh, you can turn on all the hot dog stands. I think that that that's officially what his position is going to be. Well, Jack, um, do you know how many fans are going to be in the stands? Because they no. don't. They can't know, and they can't do anything oh, without knowing so we can't even possibly think about re-signing jt until we know how many fans are gonna be in the ballpark so what if the Yankees exact are- number i need an exit jack i want it down to the last fan if there's a if there's a child in the ballpark that came in with a parent without a ticket i want to know that too yeah well i mean it's pretty crazy that stupid money has turned into pinching pennies <laughs> dude <laughs> i mean yes yeah, stupid it is stupid I'll say that. That that moniker still works. Love this baseball team. We'll, yes. We'll, we'll always love them. But here's the thing, and, and let's get into it because, like, well, there's a lot of other stuff to talk about, but I think, like, the main thing that we care about and are going to be focused on right now is the one thing that John Middleton can actually do to, like, erase what just happened. I mean, at least for the most part, because it kind of happened with the Girardi thing. We had a a similar type of thing, though. I would argue this one was far worse. But after the the Kapler firing, you know, Middleton has that disastrous press conference with the 11-minute answer and all the just horrific, you know, PR job that they did with that. And and then he hired Joe Girardi, and it kind of went away. And now he has a chance on an even bigger far more important skill than Joe Girardi. No offense, Joe. He has a chance to completely flip the narrative, Jack. Like, if he does blank check Eric Neander, please do that, or does something smart, like sets up a smart situation, like all of a sudden we we are not talking about that press conference anymore. 
Yeah, and it's a big ask. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, I know. I, I'm not saying I have faith that he's going to do it. I'm just saying he has the opportunity to do it. No, yeah. I mean, he listen. The Phillies are actually, you know, we we make fun of them a lot, and most of it is justified because it's been a pretty frustrating go of it. But they're they're in a really they're in a really golden opportunity here to kind of get this thing back on track. Like I tweeted last night. Like, Brian Barber is here, and, and from everything that we've seen, heard, read about, like, Brian Barber is a freaking stud, man. And it seems like they figure out the draft. He did a really nice job in last year's draft. They actually took a high school pitcher with some upside. I mean, it, it, the Phillies did that. I didn't think that was uh, possible. Well, uh, and also, Jack, you might not know this, but I am actually Casey Martin's biggest fan on the planet. I didn't know if you knew that, but... I'm 100% all in on Casey Martin and his future. He's he's my guy now. All I've right. decided that. I, listen, yeah. I like that a lot. I like I'm that a lot. I'm just letting you know. Um, and speaking, and that's, that's my dude. And speaking of the 2020 draft, I was watching Ian Anderson tonight, which, again, uh, the oh, owner. Oh, God. Can we not? The, the, the owner said it was a, uh, what, what was the term? <laughs> a skim milk? The 2016. Yeah. Yeah. It was a. You might have misspoke there, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Um. Anyway. It Bad was, timing on no, that one. Yeah. Not great. Um. But honestly, I was watching Ian Anderson tonight, and I just couldn't stop thinking about Nick Abel's first postseason start. Like I'm already <laughs> playoff Abel. Playoff Abel. Playoff Abel is is Mick Abel. <laughs> oh, I, I, that's gonna be a good headline someday. You know that's coming. Listen, I'm just, I'm just. Any, listen, if I can help, if I can I'm help other industries here, you know, yeah. no biggie. If uh, if Matt Kane wants to come back and oh. uh, and pitch for the Phillies, we can have a Kane and Abel headline. Boom. Yeah, Kane Lorenzo is... Kane comes and makes a big defensive play for Mick Abel. Or boom. Or or Lorenzo Kane is the last last strikeout in a in in the Ooh. bottom of the ninth of a Mick Abel of a Mick Abel complete game, and the headline says Kane is not able. Yeah, I like that. Except <laughs> except it's uh, a Mick Abel perfect game. But uh, okay. yes, agree. Well, agree. the the best part about this conversation is that we're not putting any expectations on him. <laughs> he's, I mean, it's not like he's only like eighteen or maybe nineteen at the most by now. Yeah, but I mean, you heard his coach. Two different sliders, yeah. James. I mean, friend of the podcast, Mick Abel, essentially, yeah, essentially. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I mean, two different sliders. I mean, what what else do you need to know besides two different sliders? But. Um. Yeah. No. Like. Like. The, they really are in a pretty decent spot. Like. Obviously, we're annoyed with how things are going, and doesn't rightfully look like, so. And does, rightfully yeah, so. Doesn't look like JT's coming back. Doesn't look like DD's coming back. Looks like they might not spend any money this offseason. But like, if they can, and and spending not spending money this offseason would suck, right? I mean, you always want your team to spend money, especially when how with how they opened up the window and signed Wheeler last offseason and. Hoskins and Harper and Nola and King of you're not getting any younger, but like just think getting a competent front office is just more important to me. Like it just, it just is being able to knock this out of the park and, and getting a, getting a really interesting president in here. There's so many good president options that they could hire that could come in and make a difference. And then they can bring in a smart young guy under them that can just take this team to a new level. Like knocking, like the the Mets kind of screw themselves by by re-signing Alderson because he's the president, and they can't go after one of the big fish and make them the president. You know, so and Stephen Cohen has like stupid, stupid money. So like he 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 knows the game. If he wanted to just spend money on front office people, he could. So. Like the Phillies are are a big market team that has a big opening, two big openings apparently. I mean, apparently Middleton wants to move 
McPhail aside and hire two guys, which would be great. And also, John, you're the owner. Tell him that he's not the president. Is it is it really that hard? Do we really have to make this into a big, complicated thing? But well, anyway, I mean, in his press conference, he certainly lauded Andy quite a bit. So yes, I think he yes. has to make it a big thing. Did you know that Andy McPhail has won two World Series, Jack? Before you just I, did 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 you know that though? Yeah, uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but Steve Martin is the only reason that Andy McPhail is not a. <laughs> Dude, uh, we didn't talk about that, but that was like. We don't curse on here, but that was bleeped up. Well, like that was a messed up thing to say. I like regardless of all of it. Poor Steve Bartman. I mean, this poor guy. Anyone on the planet in that spot does exactly what that guy does, and he's become a pariah. He like lives in hiding still. It's crazy. But regardless of that, it's just such an asinine statement that shows you know nothing about the actual situation and what they still had to do and what they would have had to do to win. It's just like come on. Well, and and like you, I. I think I think that is a direct quote from Andy McPhail. Like Andy McPhail is such a oh, loser. Oh, great point, Jack. Well, Jack, thank you. That is something that Andy McPhail has said to John Middleton. You're so right. Well, great call. I mean, think about it. Did did you not? If you just read those words, would you not think it's the same as like we yeah. would have the quickest turnaround in baseball history had we made the playoffs? It's a, a Jack. It's a really. <laughs> a, I I am. I am 100% certain that's what happened. That's how confident I am in that call. Like, you're 100% right. Well, not only that, but I guarantee the whole stupid, like, whole stupid, like, uh, well, if you combine our wars from 17 and 18, we actually are number one in baseball. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> just, I, just everyone, clean, just clean house. I mean, for the love of, of everything, like. Please, I just, I mean, the best part is that press conference didn't happen, but uh, let's say it did happen and those, <laughs> and those quotes were uttered. It's just like, oh God, it's just the worst. But, but, but oh, we have the driveline guys in place. We have a legitimate player development guys. And, I, yeah. and, and you know, so and, I, and to, uh, Brian Barber is legit. Like so, he really superstar. does seem legit. He's an absolute superstar. And so I tweeted that last night and, and there's a lot of people that are like, well, who they really developed. And, and let me do, I, I, I think it's important to point this out, James. So they've been here for two years. Like they, the, the real driveline, you know, all the guys that they brought in player development guys have really been here for two years. Alec Bohm took off. Adam Hazley took off. Mickey Moniak finally showed up. And then you factor in a guy. You factor in guys like Jojo Romero and Connor Brogdon, who saw velo and Ramon Rosso, who saw velo jumps and went from like ninety three to ninety seven. Like that's 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 called player development. That's what the freaking Dodgers do. That's why that's why everyone that comes out of their bullpen is hundred miles an hour. And also speaking of the Dodgers, like how the hell do they just get? Bruce Dark Gratterall as a part of that deal. Like there was no, I, 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 dude, I, it's like, that made on. me so mad. Like they don't need him. He's already no, unbelievable. He's a legit prospect. Bruce, like a legit prospect. Like it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. But with that being said, like getting those guys, velo jumps and then getting like, I don't know if the talent that was down the system was, that unbelievable to begin with, but the fact that they're they've turned them into major league players and obviously Boehm took off and and whatnot, like you're already seeing the impact those guys are having. So if you don't think the the driveline guys and that stuff is making a difference or anything, like you're just you're just simply not paying attention. Um, so yeah, I, I, they're they're a they are a competent freaking president and GM away 
from really getting this thing back on the right track. And honestly, I, I know we, we sound like we're down and, and whatnot. Like it, it genuinely makes me giddy thinking about what they could do. Will they do it is a different story. Yeah. And look, cause they, what they could do is, is a great point because they are, as you've pointed out before, one of the few legit top tier market type teams to have these types of openings come available. You know, it doesn't, happen that often it doesn't happen every year that's like why you said the the alderson hire you know i and look i get why he did it alderson's very respected he's got obviously a history there i think he's respected and all that type of stuff stability but i, I think that was a mistake too by steve cohen and, and obviously steve cohen is a smart dude who's made a lot of money and is aggressive and you know i'm sure he will spend money on the front office even if he can't you know even if he's gonna have alderson as president they'll still spend money on a new gm and and they'll they'll get something done but it, having these two jobs open really does give you some flexibility or theoretically open gives you some flexibility and the opportunity to come into a situation that has the chance to win now with some smart moves at least to a certain level and and then build for the future while doing it is is a nice opportunity for some you know uh, or two people but you know a, a staff to come in here it's not it should be a good job i think to be blatantly honest i think john middleton is a potential deterrent you know you see what happened with middleton and glentak and this whole situation and you watch his press conferences like i don't know if he's the owner that the top tier guys are going to want to work for, but he might be, they might just want the money. I mean, there are a lot of different factors involved here and, and maybe Middleton's better in the room than he is on the zoom, so to speak. I mean, I'd, um, I'd hope so. <laughs> I mean, he told, he got hard for here. Yeah. But well, yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, somehow, I mean, somehow, it's, somehow. It's, it's, it's still the biggest mystery of it all. <laughs> how Bryce Harper ended up in Philly. It really is crazy. Well, uh, and, and, and again, though, to your point, like you mentioned before though, with the window now, like, and I agree with you, I think there's, a good chance that this free agency period is is not robust for them. But, I mean, what do you say to Bryce? Like, if you're John Middleton, what do you say to that dude when you sold that guy on coming here saying, I'm going to, you know, we're winning a trophy. I'm going to do everything it takes. You know, I'm a, I'm a big dog, brother. Like, what do you what do you say to Bryce Harper in that situation, especially when you let JT Romuto walk, when there are stories coming out, as you pointed out to me, and that we all knew, but that the reason they didn't sign JT to a contract prior to the last season is because they wanted to stay under the luxury tax. I mean, if you're Bryce Harper, like, and, and Romuto walks, and then you have to tell him, hey, we're, we're not going for it this year, like, I don't know, that feels like a tough conversation to have. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it's a tough conversation <laughs> to have. I mean, this guy's publicly, like, crying that that jt might not be here i mean yeah it's it's, it's he's a, wearing his jersey right now like literally yeah. still right now yeah it's it's an impossible conversation to have and and you know it's just frustrating because it feels like it's like oh, i'll do what it takes to win when it's convenient for me you know and uh i understand i'm losing 186 million dollars here it's like it's like yeah, I'll I'll pay the money it takes when there isn't a pandemic. It's like well, listen, you're the owner through pandemics as well, and I know you didn't see it mm-hmm. coming, but like, you know, that's that's part of being an owner. You assume that risk, and also, also, it is not they are not losing a hundred and eighty-six million dollars. No way. They were projected to make that much this year. Like, it's just not it's just not counted as revenue that they could use. Like, they're not 
they're they're not losing 186 million dollars. They were projected yeah. to make that much money from ticket sales and TV revenue and parking and all and and jersey and, sales. And 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 guess what? They're still going to make money. Like they're going to have a TV deal, all that stuff. Like, like what are we talking about here? And again, and this is one that I would like to put on a billboard if I had enough money. The Yankees are losing four hundred and thirty plus million dollars this year. The Mets are losing two hundred and forty six million dollars this year. Both teams are going to be in the JT sweepstakes. So let's Ugh. stop with this whole stupid we're gonna lose hundred and eighty six million dollars. We can't free sign players and make our team better nonsense. When you're going to make it back next year, and the play and the and the main teams that are going to be vying for the freaking catcher that you gave up Pedro Martinez 2.0 for, lost more money than you, more money than you, and they just signed Garrett Cole last year to a 300 plus million dollar contract, so you can't use that as an excuse. You can't keep making excuses. It feels like we've all just become apathetic to the idea that we're going to lose JT Real Muto, and we don't have to be. We don't have to just be apathetic that we're going to lose JT Real Muto because it's on him, and it has always been on him. It was never not on him. It is on him to get the deal done. Do I – Do I? well, first off, he's not going to get $200 million. Like, No way. There's no way. I saw that report. I was yeah. like, get – the hell out of here. I mean, you remember. No, he's a catcher. You re- like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and he's not like Buster Posey or Pudge Rodriguez. Dude, or- I, and, and this, like, I saw like an eight-year deal people were talking about, a seven-year deal. Like, no yeah. way. He's getting something in the neighborhood of five for 130, six for 150, like something like that. Like, maybe slightly more, maybe like six for 175 is like the highest end I could see. And I, I don't think that happens. But like, there's no way he's getting near 200 million. And there's no way he's getting a seven, eight year deal. None. I think it's probably a five year deal, like 130, 140. Yes. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is, this is just what happens. I mean, you remember the stories before Bryce was like, oh, 500 million like that's what he's looking for yep so i mean this this just happens like i'm not gonna freak out about it but like and look to be fair like the mookie bets everyone's like oh clearly they're everyone's gonna spend money like the mookie bets contract has a bunch of deferred money it is not the the number that they showed like there is still a real chance and i still uh, this does not mean that i don't expect uh other teams to outbid john middleton but I do think that there is still a chance that it is a depressed free agent market and these owners take it out on players in free agency and we do not see the type of contracts that players are expecting. I mean, all these quote-unquote reports and stuff are agent-driven. That is all players, people putting that stuff out there. There's no team that's saying, oh, I think JT is going to get $200 million. Like, that's not happening. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still not totally convinced that the numbers are going to be as high as they would be in a normal offseason, even for the top-tier guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and also, with all due respect to JT, like Mookie Betts is Mookie Betts. I mean, yep, <laughs> even, yep. Even like Mookie probably should have got closer to four hundred. I mean, if if we're being if we're being fair about things, so yeah, I I don't I think it'll be like five one forty at the max, and and even that's on the high side. So. You know, it's nice being back at this point where we, where I feel like me and you are kind of back on the Bryce Harper calm down. 
You know, everyone calm down. <laughs> he's not going. He's not signing with the Padres after the Padres <laughs> just paid three hundred million to to Manny Machado. Calm down. That was crazy. That calm was down. crazy. Everyone calm down. So so uh, let's let's put it out there. There is James and I. We will eat a shoe if JT Realmuto gets two hundred million dollars. Oh that? yeah, for sure. I'll eat. I'll eat two shoes. I'll eat one for each foot. All right, and not Zoe's <laughs> shoes because Zoe's shoes are small. These will be these will be grown grown shoes. Grown shoes, I like it. Grown shoes. That's the new phrase for for shoes. Sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, quickly on Romero, and then I wanna I wanna get back to the GM search because I wanna. Do you have a list ready for us? I'm assuming you at least have a preliminary list. I I'm mean, sorry. Did, did you just ask me if I have a GM <laughs> list? I'm just making sure. All right, I'm just making sure. But quickly before we move off Romero, yeah. As of right now, and I'm sure this is gonna change, and we're gonna go back and forth, and when we hear stuff, and let's all remember how long the Bryce Harper thing took, all that, and not expect something. I know last off season was quicker, but. You know, it, it could take some time, but right now on October 13th, how are you feeling in terms of percentage-wise whether you think he's going to stay or go? So for the first time, I don't think he's going to be back. I, yep. I, I uh, For the longest time, I thought there's no way that this team is going to let JT go after what they gave up, and they're not going to... You know, they're not going to just, I don't know, take their ball and go home and and lose J.T. Romito to the Mets or Yankees or Nationals or whatever. Like, that's just not going to happen. Oh, and one more thing on the projected revenue loss. The Braves are projected to lose more than them this year, and the Braves are a small market team that, like, you know, doesn't spend money in free agency. So if I see them make a big move this year, I'm going to freak out. But, um yeah, so with JT, I just you know I, I just don't feel good about it, and it's not like the Bryce thing where I was like, calm down, calm down, he's gonna come, he's gonna be back. Like I just everything they're putting out has just been like a feeler for listen, we're not resigning this dude. You guys better just kind of get over it, which is an unbelievable position to be in. Um, I try not to think about it because it just it just makes me way too upset, and I hate being upset at the Phillies, but. Um, I just I I don't have a good feeling about it at all. I would love to be wrong. I would not love to be wrong for two hundred million. Like I don't want to pay. I agree. Like JT can walk if for two hundred. Like he's hundred percent, hundred percent. Not even a question. Honestly, like over one fifty, I'm probably like. Yep, right. I agree. If it gets to create, I'm in the exact same spot you are, Jack. Literally, I I it was like I was saying exactly what you said. I the the longest time I thought there was just no way that he could go, you know, considering obviously what they gave up for him, but also, you know, like we've talked about many times, his importance to this window, you know, to this, this group of guys and this chance here. And then of course, the fact that, you know, the guy, your, your franchise cornerstone, the guy you gave 332, $30 million to has been, you know, stumping for him loudly, openly all, all season long. Like I just thought JT, was more valuable to the Phillies than any other team, you know, whatever the price was, assuming it didn't get too crazy, but I'm with you now. I, I just, I don't expect them to, to pay what it takes. I'm, I'm that I, I would be, I'm, I'm I, before I was like, at one point I was like 90, 95, five, then down to like 80, 20, then down to like 70, 30. I'm like 30, 70 the other way now. Like that's where I'm at. And I don't blame you at all. You know, I yeah. was like, I was like 99. 
I know. I was like, there's no. It really is unbelievable how they mismanage this. Oh. It really is unbelievable. It is unbelievable how they mismanage this. It's, all, it's all, all because it's all, all to stay under the luxury tax and, and not pay $3 million. It's a shame. It's a shame. It the, really is a shame. It's such a shame. Does he? I just want to know if Middleton knows it, that he can reset it after one year if he wants to. I, I, it's crazy. Like that's what, It just seems so short-sighted. That's the problem is so many short-sighted decisions. Let's hope that with the list you're about to read me, the people that you'd be interested that that maybe some of these names end up here or one of these names end up here and we can not have these conversations anymore, Jack, and we can talk about what a smart team we root for and, oh, how clever was that that they did that thing? And, Ugh. oh, wow, do you see what they're building? Farm system ranked number five in all baseball. Let's go. You know, like, like give me that. Who's on your list? Who's the future? Who do I want? Talk to me. Well, let's start off with the obvious one. I mean, let's get it out of the way. Yeah, blank check. Blank check. Blank check. Yeah, we everyone knows. It's just the the no one else that will be named again is 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 close to this. This Eric Neander is the sole number one choice of the High Hopes podcast. There is no second. Who's third and beyond, Jack? That that's the best way to put it. One last thing on Eric Neander. <laughs> The the freaking Rays are about to be like the sixth team ever to make the World Series with the with also having the number one ranked farm system. Like wow. they're so freaking loaded. They're just getting better. They are. I mean, I actually hate them. Like I hate the Rays. Like with the whole stupid like I I, I want to see pitchers going deep into games and the bullpenning and I just loathe it. But they're so smart and so good that I would take it every single day of the week, Ugh. and I would just be the happiest person in the world if if Eric Neander became the next president and John Middleton just said blank check because like really he wants to run a small market baseball team, right? So like when I get the the, <laughs> the, the, the best small market guy out there, he'll fit right in. Yeah, he'll have no problem not going over the luxury tags, John. Exactly. So uh, Neander's the obvious guy. Um, blank check, all that fun stuff. The next guy for for president for me is is Mike Chernoff um, from Cleveland. At Cleveland, he's a Cleveland general manager. He's been there for a while. He's kind of helped, you know, build that thing up from the ground. Um, you know, the 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 Indians the last ten years have morphed into one of the smartest organizations in baseball again with without doing with 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 little money. I mean, they don't really have money to spend, and you know, they're going to lose Francisco Lindor because of it, but. He's one of those guys that's really smart, and if you, you know, if you if you bring him to a big market, you just think about what he can do. The problem is, I just I don't think he's leaving Cleveland. Um, like, he turned down the Mets job a couple of years ago. Um, it would have to be for the president job, like you said, first yes. and foremost. And I agree. I don't, like uh, you know, Chris Annanetti was the GM there before it moved up to the president spot when Mark Shapiro left. Shapiro, like, it's just a factory there in Cleveland. I mean, they just breed these guys. And it, it look, Mark Shapiro got the the Blue Jays back on track. They were in the playoffs this year, and obviously a ton of young talent going there. And um, sounds fun. It would be really smart. It would be really, really, really smart to go get turn off like i i agree with you i don't expect him to leave but that would be an uh, if it's not neander turn off is my top choice i agree with you i agree with you he's, he's, he would be my top choice as well and you know one thing that um mcphail talked about a lot in his like first press conference ever was like <laughs> we want to have we want to have waves and waves of pitching well oh, yeah buddy i mean okay yeah yeah 
Bieber and Clevenger and Please Kluber and, and Carrasco and you know so on and so on. Danny and so Salazar. And oh yeah, buddy. So talk buddy. about a fr- and now Tristan McKenzie. Yeah. Yep. Must be nice. Seems like a lot of fun. Um, it, it it really does, doesn't it? It really does seem fun. Like watching Shane Bieber pitch every fifth day seems really cool. Like that seems like really cool. Especially when you get him in the third round, you know. Yeah. Um, now the one. Now this is the name that that I think, um, you know, I think it it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's a name that is actually re- actually realistic if they are gonna hire a new president and GM this year. And that is Thad Levine of the Minnesota Twins. He's the GM out there. The Twins have quietly turned into, um, I mean, j- hitting-wise, they mash. I mean, they slug. They get the most out of their guys. Um, so, like, I mean, the, the Twins are, are, are a low-key, very, very smart team. And, you know, Levine, since he's taken over there, has turned them into kind of a factory in that way. And same thing with pitching now. I mean, they brought in some college guys. And, and you see you see pitchers go to Minnesota now. And like, if you're targeting guys in fantasy, like you're taking a shot on on Kenta Maeda this year. Like you had a good feeling he was going to take off. Um, they always have nasty bullpens. Like they basically try to do what the Rays do with the bullpen. I mean, just nasty, nasty guys coming out of the pen all the time. Um, so, and he's a guy that kind of he he took over the Twins, turned them into a smart factory. And I think in like two years, he would be considered for one of the the top presidents. Like I think he's very clearly ascending and I think you'd be kind of getting him on his ascent. And also he did interview here in 2015. So there is that connection a little bit. So, um, I would love Thad Levine. Uh, just, I think, I think what he's done with the twins is super, super underrated. And I think he's a a clear future president that the Phillies will be getting on the, uh, ascent. Yeah. I, I, I like Levine a lot. What I know of him, uh, he's done a great job in Minnesota, like you said. Uh, the amount of just the amount of players they keep have coming up. I mean, it's pretty much all homegrown there. You know, they added Josh Donaldson this year to to help out, but you know, Nelson Cruz has obviously been good for them. It's just unbelievable. Nelson Cruz just oh, keeps forever. on. It's unbelievable. It really is truly unbelievable. But for the most part, it's homegrown. It's a lot of you know um, talent that they've developed, drafted, developed, and all that. So I'm with you. I like Levine a lot. Who's the next? Yeah, one? I mean Levine. <laughs> If you, if you can get me a Levine and then if you get me a Levine and one of these guys for the, for the, G, they, now the, the names I'm about to run off are just GM candidates. Um, mm-hmm. So if you get Levine and one of these GM candidates, I mean, we're doing, we're doing jumping jacks. We're not doing the streaking down broad. If we got Neander or turn off um, and yeah, but, but if they get one of these guys and one of the GMs, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing jumping jacks. So, I think I think this is my first choice, but I don't know. I have so many first choices. I kind of changes by the day. But like uh, Bobby Owens, who's been with the with the Oakland A's forever, he's been viewed as like a savant of scouting reports, like one of the best scouts in the sport. Um, been doing it forever. Like remember memorizes every single player and has like personal information on them. Like really gets into it and. Again, you're taking a guy from the A's who have just consistently produced homegrown talent. If you if you've noticed a theme with my GM candidates, they're all from small market teams that do it a lot through homegrown talent, which is what it seems like Middleton cares about the most. But um, Bobby Owens has been with the with the the A's for 12 years, one of the best guys in the sport. And I think if you add a guy like Levine or, or someone like that for the president's role, 
as like kind of the GM or kind of the analytics uh, overseer guy. And then to get a real awesome, just scout um, that Bobby Owens is, I I just think it'd be a home run. If you, if you pair Bobby Owens and Brian, uh, Brian Barber together, I just think you dominate drafts for, uh, for the time being. Can you imagine having a general manager who knows what he's seeing and knows what he's looking at? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be nice, huh? Just a, a wonderful thing. And to be clear, uh, you know, and, and we'll keep going with the GM names, but but as far as I'm concerned, if it is Neander or Turnoff, or even someone like Levine, but particularly Neander or Turnoff, whoever the hell they hire to be their GM, I trust them. Like, they, like they've earned that. Like, that. Whichever of their guys that they think is ready to run a team, like I'm sure that guy's ready to run a team. Like they they know what they're doing. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and I just I hope that they <laughs> I just hope they follow through. I just mm. I really do. And I I I can't stop thinking about the GM. Um, I know. I know. Uh, I think my next favorite guy. Hmm. So many guys. Um, oh my goodness! Would probably Matt Arnold. He's the he's the uh, the v, vice president, assistant GM of the Brewers. Um, don't think he's as smart as David Stearns is. Like David Stearns is kind of just a baseball like he's, he's unbelievable, one of the best GMs in the sport. But Matt Arnold's with the Rays for a long time before taking the Brewers, and the Brewers have kind of turned into a pitching factory. Um, so I would like to take a shot on him. Another smart guy was with the Rays for a while, and can kind of. You know, take what, take great things from two of the smartest franchises in the sport, and the Brewers and the Rays, and again, a small market. Um, so, seems like yeah, you, you had me when you said Rays. Yeah, I know. when you said when he was with the he was with the Rays, I was like, okay. Now, how about a little bit of a local flair, Matt Ooh. Foreman? Matt, I am Bloom esque. Oh, uh, I wish it was I am Bloom esque. And speaking of, <laughs> speaking of which, you see that him and Eric Neander were both uh, laughing over the Connor Seabold and Nick oh, Pavetta trade. Did trip. I? Did I? Shout out to the WIP caller who called him Chain Bloom. I right. thought that was good. Right. How dare you disrespect the legend? Um, and also, <laughs> also shout out to the Twitter user that said, "How can he be smart when he traded Mookie Betts?" Uh, the thing is, is that his first order of business there was to trade Mookie Betts by ownership. Yeah. So I got into an actual argument with a Red Sox fan I know about this who had that same take. And I was like, you know, he didn't have a choice, right? Like, you know, they would not have hired him for the job if he had not agreed to trade Mookie Betts. I'm like, are you serious? Like, uh, he, this is not his decision. Like, he had zero to do with the want to trade Mookie Betts. It's so crazy. It's, it's insane. And maybe if we waited, or maybe if... <sighs> I am waited one year. He could be our GM, but whatever. All right. More high hopes in a second, but first a word from a sponsor. So Matt Foreman, Matt Foreman is the assistant GM of the Indians. Um, he is hashtag from here. He, he went to Malvern prep. Um, I'm so in him and Goslin hanging out. It's going to be great. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And he could actually take his kids on a tour of, of Malvern prep. You said his name is Matt Foreman. Yeah. So you're saying future friend of the High Hopes podcast, Matt Foreman. I feel and, like, I mean, I feel like that's the case, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, this, this sounds like our kind of guy. Ex- I'm already in on it. Assistant GM with the Indians. Yep. Please give me that dude. You know who that dude was before? It was Chernoff. You know who it was before that? Chris Antonetti. Like, yeah, that's a pretty successful spot. Let's go with that. Yes. And here's a little bit more about him. Um, so he, he, before he worked for the Indians, he worked at baseball America and which means obviously he was 
on the road and scouting and, and writing and all of that. So he was hired by the Indians in 2013. Um, uh, and then he became in charge of baseball oper- operations before the 2016 season, uh, which means that he was basically in charge of their draft since then. How does the names <laughs> Shane Bieber, Nolan Jones, Aaron Saval, Zach Plesak, James Karanchak, and more sound to you? Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. I'm particularly a fan of more, but I thought it was – a great list, regardless. I mean, if we could produce, <laughs> if we could produce, one of those guys, one or two, one. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, JJ Piccola is it? JJ Piccolo. Is uh, he also from here? Right. He's from Cherry Hill, and so the knock, the the thing I don't love about him is that he seems pretty old school and, you know, he's just going to be a, an old school scouting guy, which is fine and good. If you, if you get a guy like Levine to oversee everything or turn off or Neander, like we all know. But, um, I think, I think Bacolo from the standpoint of, um, he's basically him and him and Dayton Moore have rebuilt the Royals back to where, you know, they're a small market team that has to scout well to, to be a good organization and to, and to try to compete. And he, already built one world champion in the 2015 team. Um, and I, I love their young core. You know, I just, I love some of the guys they have out there like Brady Singer. I love Bobby Witt jr. Jorge Soler, obviously like they have some dudes out there and obviously their bullpen, like they get it, you know, Josh Stomont, um, Scott Barlow. Um, they had, you know, Greg Holland came back this year and was good. Trevor Rosenthal was good. So they're clearly doing something right. And but the the, th- the reason why I'm more in on Piccolo than I would be in years past is because this year or I guess the last two years he's been in charge of um, of player performance so he's actually gone down on the field and he's like he's he's basically been involved in in getting the technology on the players and and using the technology and using it as a way to get the most out of guys so. Just the fact that he's been ingrained in what the technology is doing and seeing it for what it is, I think is is really really important. So, um, not the traditional old school scouting guy, but if they go the old school scouting guy, I would prefer Bobby Owens. But I would not be upset if they 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 signed JJ Piccolo. It just seems too obvious, and it, it's such like a Girardi kind of move where it's old school and old school mixed with new school, and that'll appease both sides of the fan base. But it's not like a home run hire, and not you know. It's it's an overcorrection from the Matt Clintac era. So um, wouldn't be upset with it. I think he's a good scout, but not my first choice. Would be okay with it. Yeah, that's where I stand too. From what I know of Piccolo, and and I think you kind of nailed why he's going to be the pick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. As you were just laying that out there. I'm like, oh, so he's the pick. It's it's going to be him. Got it. It's so obviously going to be JJ Piccolo. Um, yeah, I I I'm like pretty locked in that that's who it's gonna be now i know i'm just trying to do that i'm trying to just talk myself out of it but yeah if i if i could pick one guy it'll, it'll be him um the next guy uh i did not write about but just in in, in talking to some people and that are down you know kind of in the area apparently oh, this guy's a this like, guy jackie sources it's not jackie sources it's jackie talks to baseball friends <laughs> But Kevin Ibach is the senior director of uh, player personnel and pro scouting for the Rays. And apparently he's like the next guy. Like there's, there's obviously Neander, 
But apparently this dude's the next guy. And if I can get the next guy for the Rays, I'll take the next guy for the Rays. So uh, I don't know much about him. I don't know much about him. But the fact that he runs their drafts and has been involved in, in the international market that they've been just dominating for the last couple of years, like, again, I think I had you at Rays. But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's another one that just I, I would be excited about. Now, this one, uh, Emil Saldier. He's the assistant GM and uh, senior VP of the Diamondbacks. Now, before he was at the Diamondbacks, he was in charge of amateur and international scouting for the Red Sox. How do these names sound to you, James? I'm here. I'm waiting. Andrew Benintendi, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Travis Shaw, Yom Nankata, and Alexander Bogarts. How do those names oh, sound to you? I mean, they sound phenomenal. Yeah, and, and now the Diamondbacks, I think, have also developed into one of those secret smart teams out there. I know they struggled this year, but he's had a major hand in that. It seems like he fits the whole uh, mix between scouting and and uh, he's a mix between scouting and analytics and that stuff, which is good to have. Um, but that's it. I mean, that's that's where I'm at right now. Okay. I mean, I mean, though, I like that list. Uh, I like that list. And as always, as always, blank check for Nander. But blank check for. Nian. I think that, if I had that's the main thing. I think that's if, the main thing. I think if I had if I could just pick one front office that is not Neander, I think it would be and Chernoff because I don't think Chernoff's gonna happen. But uh, it would be Levine. If it it would be Levine and then I think uh, all those guys. Whatever. I I have no. I have nothing. You don't have to choose now. I mean, they're they're not gonna hire by the next time we do the pod. So so come to us next time. They're not gonna hire. Choice. They're not gonna hire a guy until November. But I already yeah. cannot wait. So well, obviously, and we're gonna talk about it a lot. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, two things to get to. Uh, one, Jack, you're the pro here. So yes. so set this up. So um, LaSalle baseball. If you've seen this anywhere, um, they. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I think two weeks ago, got the email from their AD that they're cutting the baseball program, and the baseball program is done. Um, and I have a couple friends that have played there, and the um, one of the main guys who is organizing this is a guy named James Santor, and he's he's become a friend, and um, I've been trying to help out, and obviously not as big as some of the people they've gotten involved, but um, so. In this next little segment, you're going to hear me talking to my friend, uh, Joe Ravert. We grew up together. He played at LaSalle. Um, just going to talk about, talk about um, you know, just what, what, what LaSalle baseball meant to him, why they're trying to save it, and really how you can get involved in, in helping save LaSalle baseball, if you can, of course. And now I am being joined by my good buddy, my good pal, former two-way stud at LaSalle University, a place that gave me a courtesy email back, but not much more than that. We're going to try to save LaSalle baseball. Rave, how's it going, brother? Jack, man, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I mean, how's how's the wing feeling? I mean, it's you know, it's been a while since me and you have been in the spotlight of dominating Southeastern PA high school baseball. Is the <laughs> is the wing holding up all right? I mean, you, you think about making a, lot, a comeback? Man. Still lock and loaded, still chucking it in the Delco League, but you know, yeah, we're still we're still loaded. Ah, that that's good to hear, Rave. So, what's going on, man? Like, what they cut your baseball team? What, what's happening down there, at LaSalle? Why 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 are they taking away LaSalle baseball? 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we just got an email, you know, a couple, I guess it was two weeks ago tomorrow that, hey, we're cutting cutting seven programs and your baseball is going to be terminated at the end of the year. And we all just kind of like freaked out. Um, the understanding that we have is that they want to, you know, take all the money from all these other sports and put them into basketball. And, and to us, it's just like, you know, they just pull the rug right out. I mean, it almost feels like, like a loss of, of a loved one because it's part of your life that's just now being completely taken from you. And, you know, obviously nobody re- like while we partially understand, nobody really wants to believe or understand it. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's extremely frustrating and upsetting to hear. And like, what? so it, it seems like this has been really, really personal for you and, and James Santori, the guy that has pretty much helped organize this whole thing. I mean, you guys graduated like what, three years ago, four years ago at this point, like why, why did 2016 class 2016? So, so why does this mean so much to you? And and like, what does LaSalle baseball mean to you? And why are you so passionate about it? Yeah, I mean, look, like, you know, you played college baseball. You kind of know how it is. These guys are, these guys are not only you know teammates but friends. But they're you really become a family. Um, you know, a lot of us are local kids. A lot of us grew up watching the A10, watching the Big Five, wanting to stay at home and, and play in Philadelphia. You know. Um, you know, at the time when we were in high school getting recruited, Temple had a program. Temple no longer has one. Drexel doesn't have one. Villanova, you know, not in the city. Uh, St. Joe's not in the city. But, you know, LaSalle is a place that's in the city that, you know, local kids can go and play. And, and for me, that's something I always want to do. I always wanted to stay close to home. It was really important for me, you know, stay close to home, play for a Catholic university. And, and you know, a place like LaSalle, not only is it, you know, was it a great place to play, but it, it was a great place to get an education. You know, an, an awesome business school with great connections to huge companies in the city, and um, you know these guys. And they're, like I said, they're not just teammates; they're not just friends. They're you know they're brothers, they're family. We're talking, you know, at each other's weddings. I'm in, in three weddings this year of, of my teammates. I'm a best man in one of them. I mean, um, not only that, like we were very active in the community, and you know, in what, what we did to give back between you know going out and being upset. Um, uh, a softball tournament called Spin, special people in the Northeast. We would uh, do the the Alex Lemonade run. Um, we'd clean up the community in Belfield. I mean, we really, it's not only, not just, you know, we're not just baseball players. We're student athletes and, and we're, you know, integral members, members of the community. And how many, like you mentioned the Philly field, how much of your teammates would you say are, are from the area? Like percentage wise, uh, how, many, how many are from the, the Philadelphia area? At least fifty to sixty. Again, and that's so it's it's a local right, right. It's a local college program that you you just mentioned it. I mean, Temple's getting got slashed. You know, they could have recruited me back in the day, and that that didn't work (laughs) out. Um, Like you mentioned, Drexel doesn't have a team. Like if we if we lose LaSalle baseball, I mean, what's left? There's there's Penn, and is is that it? I mean, yeah, I mean. Nova and, oh, and yeah. St. Joe's as well. But, I mean, you know, Jack, you know this, that the the Philadelphia area and the suburbs of southeastern PA is a hotbed for talent for, you know, for for baseball. And the LaSalle, the last three years, has had a top 75 uh, recruiting class in the nation. Um, and this year it was even, like, 63. And if you line up all the Power 5 schools, our recruiting classes were, were ranked ahead of some of the Power 5 schools. So this is a program that was really on the up and up and, not only do we think that they could come and take over the A-10, but they can make some noise on a national level as well. I mean, this is a team that's made the, made the World Series a couple of years, and, and it's 
it's a very rich tradition program. I mean, dates back 70 years. Um, you know, it's something that we're incredibly passionate about. And to see the program go is extremely devastating. And that's why we're doing everything we can to keep it from, from, from being terminated at the end of the season. Totally. Totally. And before we get to uh, how people can get involved, Rave, me and you played together for a long time. You know, I would say back to when we were, what, like 14 or 15 years old. You, you saw the rise and probably the fall better than everyone else. I need you to inform the High Hopes listeners that at some point I was pretty good at baseball. Yeah, just wanted to let everyone know, Jack Jack was a, was a very solid baseball player, especially in his days at Bayard Rustin. Yeah. Uh, very, very tough right-handed bat to face, or right-handed arm to face with a real nice changeup. So he's not messing around. Thank you. Thank you. And Pavetta is not all my fault. It's 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 everyone else's Pavetta fault. Pavetta is not all Jack's fault. No, no, no. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Ray, before I get you out of here, how can people get involved and how can people help save LaSalle baseball? Yeah, absolutely. You know, follow us on Instagram at save LaSalle baseball, share our stuff, repost our stuff, comment. We have a link tree in there to our GoFundMe. We have a petition. We have a link in there to, to a bat deal. We're doing with a wood bat company called LV Lumber. We're soon going to have a deal, a link in there to to purchase coffee from a company called Big League Brew. That's headed by one of the catching coaches and affiliate organization. And um, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at James Santor is really the hub for most of our of our Twitter stuff. Um, and you know anything you can, anybody that wants to help, feel free to reach out to our to our accounts. And and that's really what's what's kicked us all off. We're really, you know, it's really taken off from a national level. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool seeing everyone kind of rally around. And, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned it. I went to Bloom, played two years. And if I lost, like, even I, if, if I lost the Bloomsbury baseball team, like, I'd be losing some of my best friends. So, you know, you just hate to see that happen, especially you mentioned the, the local ties and how important LaSalle baseball has turned into for uh, for the Philadelphia area and, and the kids for a chance to play high-level Division One baseball. It would really be a shame to uh, – to see it go, and I appreciate all the stuff you guys are doing, and uh, let's hope we can save the program, Rafe. Appreciate it, Jack. Thanks so much for all you've done to help us and for having me on again. Awesome, awesome stuff. That's obviously something people should get involved with, and uh, you know, uh, it's a great cause. Obviously, I think you know, formative years, important years for for baseball players, and a lot of times the last like real competitive baseball that they'll get to play and all that type of stuff. All right, uh, Jack. Uh, anything else in your, your note bag or, or take bag before we get out of here? Yes, <laughs> there is. Of course there is. I mean, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, would you, James Seltzer, and you and we on this podcast have never lied to the High Ops listeners, and I might be asking you the most important question I've ever asked you. Would you take a year of Ned Rice if it meant Theo in 2021? So, in a holistic sense, yes, I would. But I the, I would rather have Neander. I'd rather have Chernoff. Like, there are people I'd rather have than Theo at this point right now in time. But in a basic sense, like, if it's J.J. Piccolo or wait a year for Theo, yeah, wait a year for Theo. What if it's Levine or what a year for Theo? Uh, (sighs) 
I'd probably take Levine, but it's really close. Oh, I might how the mighty this. have fallen, Theo. Well, it's because I don't want to waste a year of my life, Jack. I want to get this Theo. move in here. Oh, you're only almost I'm 40, old, buddy. Here. bro. I'm <laughs> old. Wow, you're already playing that card? I mean, you would definitely take Levine, right? It's not even close for you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would take I would take Levine, but yeah. I, I'm ter- like honestly I'm terrified of like a Dombrowski. So if it's like a year of Ned Rice and then Dombrowski, like yeah, I'll I'll take or a year of Ned Rice and then Theo over like a Me Dombrowski. Too. That's kind of my point. Like I, I I'm terrified. I don't to to tie a bow on it. There are so many exciting options. I don't trust John Middleton to take one of them. Well, yeah, and like a Jim Hendry's. Oh God, if they hire if they hire Jim Hendry's, just fire just hire just hire a new podcast. Like I just fire me into the sun for all I care. Like I just, he is such a freaking disaster. Whatever. <laughs> the fact that he's even being mentioned is embarrassing. Like he sucks, man. Like he sucks. And I don't care that he works with the Yankees. Like I just don't care. The Yankees haven't done anything interesting in a while. It's all Cashman. Like whatever. I, I am preemptively getting furious at the idea I that. I love it. That, I love it. Tell oh, him Jack. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, you're going to need a new podcast co-host cause I'm done. I, oh, buddy, I'm, I would be. I would just. So you're telling me if I can get them to hire Hendrys, I get. I get rid of you. Yeah, whatever you gotta do. <laughs> whatever you gotta do to sink this baseball team for the next decade, you hire Jim Hendrys. Who had right, to, well, well, we'll be back one week from today, unless they hire Jim Hendrys. Yeah. Then we might not be. Or never again. Or All never right. again. But that's what's so frustrating. Oh, whatever. Um. Ah, uh, what else do I have here? Um. What were you doing? In 1991, a.k.a. the last time Andy McPhail uh, won a World Series. I was watching them win the World Series. I remember it vividly. Gene Larkin fly ball over the brought-in outfield, and Dan Gladden trots to home. I remember it vividly, Jack. So that's what I was doing. All right. Well, like, like what was going on with your life? Was, was that middle school for you? Was that? No, no. That was like uh, fourth grade for me, Jack. Okay. Okay. Were you still in New York at that point, you fraud? It was. I wasn't. I wasn't here, you <laughs> Are we done here? No. Are you to bed? Are we done here? No, I just, I want everyone to know that you grew up in New York. Um, I did. I did. My dad was from here. One of those. Speaking of New York, I would just like to say that there's no better song to listen to while walking <laughs> oh around the God. city than... Scenes from an Italian restaurant by Billy Joel. I like that. Welcome to your your Billy Joel phase. I'm very happy for you. We all went through it. I, I'm, I'm excited to see you get there. There's just no other. I know all the words to We Didn't Start the Fire. Um, It's his best song. But uh, I just would like to say it's the best song to just, you know, walk around the city. You put a little pep in your step. I was like skipping down the street today listening to it. Oh. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. <laughs> if only I had been there to see it. By Billy Joel. Um, happy anniversary to the Matt Stairs Homer. That's a good one, yes. True. Also, the night. Uh, it's probably around this time. No, it probably wasn't around this time. No, no, no. Later. Not even close. Not even close. But nope. when this podcast comes out, it might be around this time. It's true. It's true. It is true. It is. And may I just say, the Victorino home run is still underrated. I mean, Victorino... Like that, that doesn't happen without Victorino's home run. So, just just give a little love to uh, to Shane there a little bit. Um, where were you for the Stairs home run? Where was I for the Stairs home run? I was with 
Emily, where were we? Oh, I remember I remember the TV I was watching. I feel like I was at a buddy's house. Like I remember where I was sitting in a room and I remember the TV and the shot of the TV, but I can't pl- piece everything together. I think I was at a buddy's house. All right. That's uneventful. I <laughs> I was sitting in my lucky spot as I think my mom was folding laundry as she was like like I feel like all my memories of like the 2008 World Series run was like my dad in the other room asleep, me in my lucky spot, and my mom just like folding laundry and tr- and trying to talk to me about my school day. And I was like, "Mom, kind of a big moment. Like this is n- this is not the time to ask Jack about his math quiz. Like I probably failed it. You know, I'm trying to lock in on the stairs home run. So." Um, fun memories. Like honestly, I'm so jealous of everyone that was old enough to, like, be out for the oh, for the yeah. Phillies runs because like it was great. Yeah, it was great. Could not it, like just the worst. I mean, just being a freshman in high school, whatever. Um, and I think the last thing here is you know Freddie Freeman is just a six five Chase Utley. I mean, it's just unbelievable how good that guy is, and it's just so refreshing. Might be better. Yeah. Well, it's just so refreshing seeing that guy like crush another team besides us you know it is i will say there is a a schadenfreude to it you know you do get a bit of a joy of seeing it happening to someone else when it's happened to you so many times yeah it's just great and also as always there's fresh high hops available at yes. four fingers brewing company as and as always go in and try to talk fillers with my dad he will not know what you're talking about i promise you Love it. If you mention Please Eric Neander, he is going to be very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Please do that, actually. I think it's worth going for the the beers just for that. Yeah, what well. do you think about Eric Neander? Uh, <laughs> he, will, he will not have any idea what you're talking about. Oh, I love it. I the look on his you. face is so worth it. Please, please do this. Please. And then tell us that you did it. It'd be amazing. Um, all right, we done? Yes. <laughs> Rate and review the podcast. It means the world to Jack. We'll be back same time, same place next week. He's for it himself. So we'll see you later. Bye.